This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to The Real Estate Hour on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again, Sam Chandon. Welcome back to The Real Estate Hour on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Sam Chandon. For a wide range of underserved and emerging neighborhoods across the United States, one of the least debated provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 may just prove amongst the most transformative. With a goal of encouraging private capital investment into low-income communities, the Opportunity Zone program, included in last winter's tax reform package, confers highly preferential tax treatment on investments in selected underserved neighborhoods in cities and in states around the country. With me to discuss these Opportunity Zones and investment in developing emerging and underserved communities, I am joined by my good friend, Quinton Primo, Chairman and CEO of Capri Investment Group, where I am also a partner. Quinton, thanks for joining me. Can you, yes, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Thank you, Quinton. Uh, to good. kick us off with our discussion of Opportunity Zones, give us a, a good sense of what are they? Well, as you pointed out, they're economically distressed, uh, low-income, low-job creation communities, uh, specifically census tracts that have been selected uh, by uh, most of the governors uh, across uh, the country, and as well as governors of not only states but of provinces and territories um, of the United States, um, to, uh, to attract capital and hence create jobs uh, for those uh, that are uh, underserved. So both in urban communities as well as in rural areas that are low income. I guess the the question that uh, comes up for me when seeing this as part of the the tax reform package is that uh, I've never gotten the sense that this was a policy priority for the current administration. Uh, What's driving it? Why now? Well, I think to get bipartisan support of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, um, uh, Tim Scott, a Republican uh, congressman out of South Carolina, um, uh, Cory Booker, uh, a Democrat senator uh, from New Jersey, um, uh, kind of co-authored and and co-championed uh, the effort, which uh, is an issue uh, addressing the issues of low-income, underserved, economic distress areas, is certainly a Democratic uh, priority. And actually, uh, the original idea, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was uh, Paul Ryan's. Paul Ryan uh, uh, has been uh, an active voice for modifying tax policy to to help develop uh, and revitalize um, uh, markets uh, in this country uh, that are underserved. So it really it had broad support. It was something that, uh, as you pointed out, wasn't really debated on the floor, uh, but certainly it's a, it was a, a provision that was very much embraced by most Democrats and by uh, quite a few Republicans. Yeah. And to give us an idea of the scale, you know, the, the potential opportunity for, for capital inflows into uh, underserved neighborhoods, you know, this is a provision that has an impact on the treatment of, of uh, existing capital gains. Um, how big is that pool? Well, it's, it's, it's estimated that there's something like six to seven trillion dollars of capital gains that have been unrealized uh, in capital markets. Uh, The government has focused on that number, roughly 
two to three trillion dollars, which they think would be um, gains that uh, potentially could be realized uh, to benefit the program. So this is, you know, a significant, uh, a significant amount of, of, of capital uh, that 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 potentially is out there uh, to be uh, treated in a in a in a, in a tax advantaged uh, manner. Yeah. Now, given the nature of the political debate around uh, the the tax package, this wasn't sort of a part of the popular discussion, or, or even I would say, you know, the institutional discussion at the in the early part of this year. Uh, given the potential uh, of this program, is it something that um, is getting more attention now? Yes, it is. Um, um, I think, and, and, and not all of it's necessarily good. And let me. Uh, tell you why I, I say that. I think that um, uh, there are those developers, those uh, investors out there that um, uh, look at this simply as a, a, a means to save money, uh, to defer taxes in certain instances, to eliminate capital gains tax altogether, and uh, essentially don't care you know, uh, what's the means to the end. Um, uh, the program, um, the spirit of the program is about job creation, is about attracting capital to uh, areas that have, have, have had a, seen a capital imbalance in terms of flows in. Um, and so uh, to the extent that a developer is just looking at this program as a, an easier way to raise money or more efficient way to raise money uh, because of the tax, uh, the, the favorable tax treatment, and miss the point that, geez, um, in your construction, are you creating jobs for local community residents? Um, is your goal not to simply gentrify, but to have a more inclusive model that does not displace residents of certain underserved areas? If at the end of the day, this program gentrified all urban minority communities, I would say that it would be an abject failure. I see. Now, when we're looking at how it is then that we position the opportunity for the investor, you know, given these if we could you know, say that you know, some potential investors will be thinking about the impact on the community and others will be thinking about the capital gain savings, um, and the nature of the risk profile uh, of some of the you know, potential investment opportunities, where's the opportunity for that institutional investor? How, how are they seeing these programs? Well, um, certainly uh, uh, these markets, uh, by virtue of the fact that they are underserved, uh, would suggest that there is great demand but very slim supply um, of products. So many, uh, the area that we're very familiar with where we have a, a very large investment, uh, South L.A. in the Crenshaw District. Now, the Crenshaw District has been underserved with respect to uh, capital investment. It's been, it's seen no investment in housing in, you know, 50 or more years. Uh, so, to the extent that um, a housing that meets the demand in the area, both market rate as well as affordable, um, uh, 
those investments should prove to be very sound investments for an institutional investor. Uh, just because you're investing in an area like South L.A. or in Crenshaw specifically does not mean, well, geez, you're taking this horrendous amount of risk and uh, you're not going to get a return and your, your capital, uh, you know, your, 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 the, the, the gain, the, the deferment of capital gains tax, you know, you're trying to achieve. Uh, if you don't get your return of capital, it's kind of a moot. So uh, I think that 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 there is uh, institutional investors are beginning to understand that investing in economically distressed areas does not mean greater risk. In many instances, because of the demand supply imbalance, it can be lesser risk as opposed to greater. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Real Estate Hour on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Sam Chandon, and my guest is Quinton Primo, Chairman and CEO of Capri Investment Group. We're talking about opportunity zones and uh, how they might transform uh, underserved communities. You know, Quentin, you've described sort of the, the more holistic uh, approach to thinking about the potential impact of these capital inflows into neighborhoods. Um, should we be thinking about this as an investor? Uh, there's an opportunity to invest in a specific building, or, or do we really need to take a fairly holistic approach to thinking about the communities that we're investing in? Yeah, I think that... Um for an institutional or for any investor, I think that um, certainly um, uh, transaction by transaction by transaction is, is, is a way to go about it. Uh, and there are many different ways uh, to invest in opportunity zones. But probably um, uh, the um, most efficient and uh, least risk way of going about investing in these areas is through a fund. Um, uh, through qualified opportunity funds that invest in a cross-section of uh, types of assets. Uh, they may be focused regionally. They may be focused on, say, Southern California or focused in tri-state area in New York, uh, New Jersey. Uh, uh, or they may be specifically focused on a, a, a property type, uh, such as uh, affordable housing or mixed-income housing. Um, so I think that there is there, there, there are many different ways to, to, uh, to pursue um, uh, this program, uh, and it all depends on what are the objectives of the investor. I mean, it, the way the program is set up, that you, Sam, you could qualify yourself, uh, you could certify yourself as an opportunity fund yourself and go about investing in projects uh, uh, in areas that have been designated as opportunity zones because you have investment expertise, uh, you understand the real estate markets, you've done development before, then that may be a perfectly um, appropriate and, 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 and thoughtful and shrewd way for you to go about investing in these communities. But again, I, I, I must uh, emphasize that the, the spirit of the program is to do more than just defer your taxes. The spirit is to help revitalize these areas that have um, suffered from capital flow imbalances. Yeah. Now, you mentioned South L.A. to sort of you know, build on uh, what you're describing, sort of you know, the underlying ethos of the program. Uh, your Baldwin Hills, Crenshaw Plaza is located within an opportunity zone. Tell us a little bit about BHCP. Well, it's, it's an extraordinary um, asset that uh, we bought um, 12 years or so ago on behalf of an institutional investor and then transferred it into a commingled fund. But it's, it's, we really kind of view it as the mother load 
of opportunity zone investments. Certainly because of its size, uh, it's, it's going to be a three million square foot redevelopment of a, about a million square foot mall. Uh, it sits on 43 acres. Uh, it's transit oriented. Uh, the new metro line, the eight stop extension of the metro line south from the expo line to the airport, LAX, uh, we'll have a, 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 a train station uh, underground uh, at our mall. So um, it's an opportunity. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big canvas uh, that can be painted. Um, uh, but the opportunity uh, is, again, not only to uh, redevelop the mall and offer the community uh, greater amenities in terms of and, and services and, and property types in terms of expanded retail and hotel and office and importantly mixed income housing, uh, but it's going to be a major job creator um, for the area. Uh, we hope to create as much as six to 8,000 new jobs, uh, both construction and, and permanent. And uh, in our development agreement with the city, uh, our, our, we have a hard goal of uh, capturing 30 percent uh, or filling 30 percent of those uh, jobs that are created uh, with local area residents, um, uh, which is, again, that job creation is so, that's job number one. <laughs> job number one in these areas is to create jobs. Um, and uh, all the benefits that uh, accrue to the, the having head of households bringing in income and being able to support their families, feed them, clothe them, educate them. Uh, so job creation is so vitally important um, to the revitalization uh, of these areas. And Baldwin Hills is going to be a major um, uh, creator of employment uh, for the area. It's also going to signal to the institutional investment community uh, that it's okay. It's okay to invest in areas like Crenshaw. You're not going to lose your money with thoughtful development programs that are assisted uh, by various city, municipal, state programs. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay to do it. And it's not only okay, it's smart. It's smart investing. So we think that uh, with the kind of the new urbanism, the urban revitalization of, 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 of within cities across the United States, that this is a natural extension of, of, of trends that you already seen in downtown markets and like downtown L.A. and the Arts District, that South L.A. also has the ability to be uh, rebirthed. But again, it must be done with inclusively it, 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 for Crenshaw to turn lily white or Caucasian 50 years from now, that, that uh, we, we, we would have failed in our exercise. Yeah. So this brings me to my next question. When we're thinking about that inclusive approach, it, for me, the difference between investing in an asset and investing in the community um, is going to be in the execution. What kinds of things has the team done when investing in Baldwin Hills uh, that have really made it about investing in the community as well? Sure. Well, see, first, again, first and foremost, uh, we've made sure in the, the $40 million of renovation that we've already completed that we adhere to significant participation by local area residents in the construction jobs that were created as well as the operating uh, jobs that have been created. Um, we have been uh, very active in reaching out to community residents, uh, business, local businesses that want to locate at our mall and have retail stores that offer products and services. So 
of the you know more than 100 stores that we have at Baldwin Hills, amazingly, 40 percent um, are, are, are tenants that represent local area businesses. So 40 percent, which is a, I mean, a lot of that is, is captured in kiosks, you know, and, 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 and small tenancy. But nonetheless, in terms of total numbers, you know, 40 percent of our tenants uh, uh, are owned or represent a local area uh, businesses. Um, in addition, um, we're very active in uh, participating in local area community groups. Uh, we, we have a, um, a head of our community outreach, Jason Lombard, um, uh, reports to Rachel Freeman, our president and CEO of Capri Retail. Uh, he, uh, Jason is actively involved uh, in uh, the community, attending uh, neighborhood uh, action groups, uh, uh, working very closely with the community in terms of our entitlements, incorporating their wishes, their desires, their concerns, their 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 desired limitations. You know, in terms of uh, how densely we've designed and will execute um, uh, the program, um, we we look, we speak at schools, local area schools. We reach out to high school students who come to our mall and talk about uh, things like real estate investment, real estate development. So uh, we, 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 we try as best that we can to be active participants uh, in the community. And because of that, um, um, we had overwhelming support um, from the community from labor, uh, from elected politicians, uh, when it was time for us to be entitled. Uh, not everybody in the community uh, is thrilled about Capri and Baldwin Hills, but we think that the majority, and we know that the majority are, and, and even those that are that, that, that are concerned about what our mall will cause or do uh, or bring about in the area, still um, uh, appreciate uh, the capital that we've allocated to uh, the community in terms of our community benefits package, investing in you know programs at the LA Technical Trade School um, and, and improving streets and and, and, and roads and, and 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 landscaping and these types of things and encouraging training, uh, uh, they they give us good marks, you know, for those things that uh, we've done that they like. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Real Estate Hour on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host Sam Chandon, and my guest is Quentin Primo, Chairman and CEO of Capri Investment Group. We're talking about Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza in Southern LA um, and some of the investments that are being made in the community. Uh, you know, Q, you mentioned uh, you know, some of the concerns that you know, residents and others may have. Uh, I sure. suppose in some of our most successful gentrification projects around the country, certainly from an investor's perspective, some of the most successful part of that success has uh, come as a result of how we've displaced uh, members of the community, where it's become increasingly difficult for them uh, to, to pay rent, to, to remain members of that community. How do you avoid that? Uh, well, first, uh, in terms of the Baldwin Hills development, um, we are not directly removing any uh, housing from the area. You know, conversely, we are uh, building over uh, empty parking lots. So we're adding a component. We're adding mixed-income housing uh, to the community. And um, uh, we are also necessarily including, even though the area has a tremendous amount of affordable housing, we're including affordable housing uh, for um, low-income and very low-income people in the community. Um, So residents will be... uh, um, uh, at our at our living in our homes 
in our apartments, in our condos that uh, are of lower income. Uh, we also have uh, workforce housing. Uh, that uh, we will be dedicated a number of units uh, towards. So uh, for policemen, teachers, or service professionals um, uh, that do not have access to housing that's close to the place where they work. So um, um, that component um, is something that we're very proud of um, and that uh, will help uh, address this area, this issue of displacement. Uh, we're also, uh, as we begin to uh, design and, and imagine uh, specifically uh, what our program will look like, um, it, uh, you know, to what you said, we, we, we are speaking to our investors in terms of not investing simply in the asset you know, in your words, but investing in the community, uh, you know, symbolically, but also literally. And we're currently evaluating a land bank program that uh, allows us to uh, raise a little bit more money, um, buy homes in the area, and uh, let residents live in those homes at a, at a, very, a very affordable rent uh, with the request that, geez, you know, uh, stay employed, uh, keep your kids in school, uh, keep your lawn cut. I mean, these sorts of things. And um, uh, if you could do all that, uh, we'd love to sell you the home at some point at a at a very at a, at a subsidized rate. So these are things that that you know are, are kind of provocative and very you know untraditional. Um, but uh, it's up to the businesses within the area to ensure that the area does, and government certainly, but businesses as well, to ensure that areas do not completely become gentrified, which uh, I think is not a good thing uh, in the long term. We have just about a minute left. One of the things I wanted to ask you about uh, when we think about your strategy in, in investing in opportunity zones in, in South L.A., uh, Capri, where again, I'm, I'm privileged to be a partner myself, uh, is a predominantly minority and women controlled firm. How important has that been to your ability to execute? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Sam. And it, it's been obviously extremely important. And uh, we view ourselves as a culturally diverse firm uh, in every respect, uh, gender, you know, uh, race, sexual orientation, creed, religion, whatever it may be, um, we we don't look at people as uh, symbols. <laughs> we look at people as people, and we just simply, we, 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 don't, we don't see color. We don't see gender. We just see excellence. We see motivation. We see drive. And so that's allowed us to build an organization that's extremely diverse. So how that helps us? Well, you know, and again, in an asset an investment like Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza, which operates in a largely African, Latino, and Asian community, um, it just makes us naturally more sensitive um, because we have representatives, you know, conceptually and symbolically representatives essentially of the community, right, of the black community, Latino community, Asian community, gay community, whatever it may be, sitting at our table. I'm going to have to cut you off there, Q. I apologize. We've uh, just about run out of time, but thank you so much for coming on to the program. My great pleasure, Sam. Thank you so much. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 